Well, over the last two months, we've been in this sermon series called Jubilee, and, and today is actually our, our last Sunday in this series, because next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and so some of you are excited. I saw some, some clapping there. So, uh, you know, we've been in this series called, called Jubilee, and most of you are probably familiar with this by now, but, but where this title Jubilee comes from is actually part of, uh, of the Sabbath cycle that, that we find in the Old Testament. You know, the first Sabbath cycle was, was at the end of creation. At the end of creation, God rested. And, and in many ways, the, the weekly Sabbath reminds us that, that the end or the goal or the fulfillment of God's creative work is for God's creation to rest in fellowship and communion with God. And that's one of the things we're reminded of on a weekly basis as we, we practice the Sabbath, that, that, that true life and meaning and significance comes from, from resting and dwelling in the presence of God. You know, in these Sabbath rhythms, though, they're, they're emphasized in different ways because it's so easy for us as people to allow other things to get in the way and to, to miss out on some of the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. And so for the people of Israel, not only was there the weekly Sabbath, but throughout the year, there were these seven different uh, celebrations, the, these seven different feasts or, or festivals that were part of this Sabbath cycle that emphasized the different ways that God's saving work was worked out amongst God's people. And then every seven years, there was a Sabbath year, this, this special year set aside for this. And every set of seven Sabbath years was, you know this now, the year of Jubilee. But historically, there's no evidence that God's people ever actually practiced the year of Jubilee. Here's this gift from God that, that God's people failed to experience. And the reason we've used this to help kind of focus us over these last couple of months is, is in seasons like this, when, when everything is just so different for us, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God is still with us and that God wants to work in us. And our desire as a people of God is that we want to experience the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? And so we come together in this time. You know, the, the, this last week, as, as we found ourselves in the midst of the latest news, right? All of, the, all of the guidance given to us yet again for how we journey through these days dealing with this pandemic. It's, it's been difficult. More things seemingly taken away. And I've been reminded, though, that, that biblically, we don't have feasts without fasting. Biblically, we don't have feasts without fasting, that, that feasting and fasting go together. Now, now, we don't always like to talk about fasting, but we believe that God works through things like fasting. Amen? In fact, Wesley, John Wesley referred to fasting as one of the five means of grace. This is, this is one of the ways that God has worked in the lives of his people across time and across place. But, you know, we live in a culture of abundance. And because we live in a culture of abundance, typically if something is taken away from us, we just try to fill that space with something else. But whenever we're busy filling up space, we're, we're not allowing God to fill that space. And fasting reminds us when we go without, it reminds us that we depend on God and that there are things that we could never fill that only God can fill. And times of fasting allow us to see God in new ways. And so my prayer for us as a church is, is during these recent days in which we find ourselves, 
that we would see God in some fresh and new ways. Amen? You with me there? And so what does that look like for us, though? How, how, do, we, how do we walk through times of fasting? You know, it's, it's really challenging as we find ourselves with Advent starting next week, and there's lots of things of this season that we enjoy doing. I mean, Advent's the time when, when we get together for, for extra things as a congregation. We have things like the ladies' tea, and we have times when we pack people into the, the pews, and we do all of this stuff. So, so what does it look like in a year like this? How do we journey together in these times? And I just want to take a couple moments to remind us of some of the ways that we continue to work together. And Pastor Mindy has alluded to this some, and Jennifer did as well. You know, when we entered into to COVID, we, we reminded ourselves that there are several things that don't change about who we are. You know, one of the things, we, we've continued to worship as a congregation through all of this. And we had a period where we had to worship solely online, and now we're able to worship together in person and online, and we continue to worship together, and we will continue to worship together as a church. Amen? It's not changing. We're going to continue to worship God together. And our worship is not dependent on what we're used to. Our worship is dependent on God. And God is faithful and God is through this. And we also find those ways to connect together. And, and you've heard uh, Pastor Mindy and Jennifer talk a little bit about this. There's a lot of ways that we can connect together. Pastor Mindy even referred to some new things with, with our connect groups. And let me just say how important it is for us to be a part of some sort of a group because we really do need one another to, to be the people that God has called us to be. And so we, we consider that and we look for those ways to do that. But let me share a few other ways that we can connect together. You've, as we think of worship, as we begin Advent next week, one of the parts that is a part of our Advent worship is, is the lighting of the Advent candles or the Advent wreath. And I would encourage some of you, especially those of you who join us online, to, to, to maybe make this a part of your, your worship time together. You know, you may have an Advent wreath or you may want to purchase one, but if you don't, just gather together some candles for these next weeks and, and place those in your dining table or, or your coffee table or wherever you gather for worship and, and join us as we worship together in this way. And if you do that at home, let me just encourage you to, to take a picture of that and to share it on Facebook. And you can even mark it hashtag SVNC together. And a lot of those are seen. If you don't know what a hashtag is, that's okay. Uh, but, but, but just share those with one another. You know, you might want to use Facebook to, 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 to share some of the ways that God's working in you in new ways during this time. Some of the things you're learning about God, feel free to do that. In addition to, to, to connecting together, I just want to remind us too, you know, these have been difficult days for a lot of people. There's a lot of people right now who, who feel isolated and lonely. That's true for the people that you work next to at work. That's also true for, for people in our congregation. And I realize that during this time, there have been some who said, you know, really, the church should do something for those who feel isolated and lonely. You know, and, and I agree with that statement, but I also want to remind us of something. You are the church. You are the church. We need you to do something. You know, Pastor Mindy reminded of this in her prayer, and I just encourage you, if you find yourself thinking of somebody, if you find yourself wondering how somebody is, reach out to that person. You know, I find myself here today, I say, where's Pastor Billy? I wonder how Pastor Billy's doing. Actually, I know where Pastor Billy is. He's, he's leading our children's worship today. 
But if you find yourself thinking of somebody, rather than just asking or commenting, you know, just trust that that's the Holy Spirit putting that person on your heart. And just reach out. Make a phone call. Send a card. Send a text. Whatever it is. But we need you. We, we need each other to do this, to connect together. You with me here? So we, we, we worship together. We connect together. We, we also love those around us. You know, this is a time of year when we often get opportunities to, to bless people around us. One of the ways that we bless people the last couple of years is, is by gathering food for, for Northwest Connect. And some of you even asked if we're doing that this year. And, and actually, we're not gathering food for Northwest Connect this year because they received a grant and have all kinds of food is the message that was given to us. But we want that. We are thankful for that. But while they have food to give to people, a lot of the people Northwest Connect ministers to uh, also need things like, like toiletries and soap and, and cleaning supplies and some of those things. And they're still very much in need of that. And that's a part of Northwest Connect called a hand up. And we are working together and we're going to be having information going out here soon about ways that we can help supply Northwest Connect with some of those things. We're going to collect them over the next four to six weeks. And so we're going to be getting information out about that. But also, we just heard back late in the day on, on Friday that, that, that we have some opportunities that, that we can partner with, with Evergreen Middle School and we can bless some of the kids there. Who, who really just need our love and blessing. And so we're going to get some of that information together as well. We're going to get this information out through, through email and, and Facebook. And, and so we're going to share some of these ways. And these are some of the ways that collectively we can do this. But, but each one of us has ways that we can just love on the people around us. And let's just continue to do that during this time as well. We, we continue to worship. We, we, we continue to connect. We continue to love but we also want to grow. You know, sometimes in days like this, it's, it's easy to focus on, on things that we can do. What can we do to fix things or, or to make things better? And it's important that we talk about those things. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter what we do or what we fix or what we address. Without God working in our lives, all of those things are meaningless. In the midst of this, let's, let's continue to set aside time to be in the presence of God, to spend time in Scripture, to spend time in prayer, and just to ask God to work in us as individuals and as a congregation. Amen? And if you're not sure kind of how to, how to do some of this, you know, we, we've shared, we, we ordered a bunch of Advent devotional books, and we, I think we still have 30 or 40 of them left. And we would love for anyone who would like to use one of these in these coming weeks to just take one. If, if you want to help us with the cost, you can. We paid six bucks a book for one. But if you can't do that, we just want people, we want these to be a resource for you to help you focus on God and allow God to work in your life in these coming days. You see, we have a God who's already conquered sin and death. And if God can do that, then all of this we're going through right now is just nothing compared to that. And so we have a God who can do great things today as well. Amen? Amen. And so we continue together in this time. And that's not going to change. As much as there are things that are different, God is at work with us. And, and we just want to continue to humble ourselves before God and walk faithfully in faithful obedience with him together. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to join me today. 
in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter is, is near the back of your Bibles, if you're not sure where it is. Near the back of your Bibles. And we're going to be in, in chapter 3, and I'm actually just going to read two verses for us today. If you're able to, though, as we read these verses, I, I would just invite you to, to stand as, as we read from God's Word. Would you hear these words of the Lord today? Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, some people would argue that, that 2 Peter is the most overlooked book in the New Testament. We don't give 2 Peter a lot of attention. Now, part of that might be because it's short, but it's not the shortest book in the New Testament. You know, maybe one of the reasons we overlook 2 Peter is because, you know, a lot of us like those books in the Bible that, that have those verses that we can put up in our, in our kitchens or bathrooms or family rooms. We like verses like, like, like what we can find in Psalms that say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That looks good on your refrigerator, doesn't it? Or, or we might turn to, to a book like James where it says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And on Christmas morning, some of us will remind our children of that, right? We like, we like passages like that. We even like places like in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, it says, above all else, love each other deeply. But 2 Peter doesn't have a lot of verses like that. Maybe that's the reason it gets overlooked. You know, in in 2 Peter, it was written to a church that was, was struggling with, with some issues within the church. And so it's, it's a little bit more direct. It's a, it's a little more pointed than, than some of the places that, that we find in, in Scripture. You know, the, the challenge that the church in 2 Peter was facing is, is they had false teachers. There were these false teachers who, who were communicating things that, that, that were threatening to, to get the church off track, to, to get the church astray, and, and to get the church to, to not focus on what they should be focusing on. And not only were these false teachers teaching things that weren't true, but, but they were living lives that were not reflective of the kind of life that God has called us to live. And so they, they were threatening the church with their words, but, but also with their actions, because what they were demonstrating was, was contrary to the gospel. And so this was a really big threat for the church. And so, so 2 Peter was, was addressing this. And, and the biggest issue of the false teaching is that these false teachers were, were talking about Christ's delay in coming back again. You see, the early church thought that the return of Jesus Christ was imminent. They thought any day now, Jesus Christ is going to be coming back. But as days turned to weeks, and weeks turned to months, and months turned to years, and the years began to accumulate, there were some who began to question and wonder what was happening. And that appears to be especially true of these false teachers. They, they were saying, you know what? He's not coming back. 
you know, this, this is not working out the way we wa- wanted. And so they, they began to, to kind of offer this rationale for, for how to live their lives or, or, or for what to do. And, and it created all of these challenges. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of, of the parable that we find in Matthew chapter 25, the, the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. You know this parable? There were 10 bridesmaids who who were a part of this, this wedding celebration. And so they came and they were prepared for, for the bridegroom to come to the wedding. But something happened and, and the bridegroom was delayed. And of these, these ten bridesmaids who were there, half of them had brought their lamps, but all they had was the oil that filled their lamps. And the other five brought their lamps with oil, but they also brought extra oil. All of the the bridesmaids were ready for the bridegroom to come, but only half of them were prepared for the bridegroom to be delayed. You know, that's some of the challenge here that the church was facing. They they were all expecting Christ to come, but, but when Christ's return was taking longer than they thought it should, not everybody was equipped for that delay. You know, whenever you prepare for something, to, to be prepared, you, you're not just preparing for what you expect to happen, you're, you're preparing for what you don't expect to happen. That's kind of like the model of Boy Scouts, isn't it? I was never a Boy Scout, but I believe that the motto of Boy Scouts is to always be prepared or something like that, right? You know, I, I kind of have that, I got a thumbs up. I kind of have a tendency to be a person who likes to be prepared. In fact, my, my in-laws kind of jokingly refer to me as Mr. Safety, because I, 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 like to be, I like to be prepared. When we were, were, were waiting for our, our son's birth, it was months before he was scheduled to come, but I started putting those little things into outlets, right? I mean, you can never be too prepared. Never be too prepared. One time, we, we were on this family vacation in, in uh, Minnesota, and we were staying at this house on, on Lake Pepin, which is the part of this, part of this Mississippi River that, that is really like this huge lake. And we hadn't been there long, and my, my father-in-law and my sister-in-law decided that they were going to go fishing. And so they got in the boat, and they headed out. I think it might have even been our first or, or second day there. And they headed out on the lake, and they were fishing, and, and darkness came quickly. In fact, it came so quickly, and it snuck up on them that they hadn't had time to, to head back towards the dock. And along the Mississippi River, there's towns and homes on both sides all along the river. And so they found themselves out in the river and and there were just lights like all along the river. And so they didn't know what lights to head to. They were lost on the Mississippi River after dark. And so we got this phone call from my sister-in-law and she said, Mark, we need you to drive down to the boat launch in your car and, and, and turn on your bright lights and start flashing them for us so we can see where the dock is so we can, so we can get back. And so I, I quickly got, got in, in my car and I drove to the boat launch and I, I drove out there and I started flashing my lights and turning on my brights. And I was on the phone. I said, do you see me? They said, no. I said, well, I'm flashing my lights. Can you, can you not see me? She's like, no, we can't see you. We can't tell where your lights are. I said, hang on a minute. Let me try something. And so I, I backed out of the boat launch and I got my headlamp and I walked out to the end of the dock and then I put my headlamp on, on the strobe function and I held it up and on the phone I hear, we see you, we see you, don't move, we're coming to you. You know, as it turns out, there was a couple of other boats that followed my father-in-law and sister-in-law 
into the dock. And when they got there, my sister-in-law said to me, she said, Mark, I will never make fun of you again for being prepared. You know, you don't prepare for what you expect to, to happen. You prepare for those things that you're not necessarily anticipating. And some of the struggle that the church in Second Peter was facing was they weren't expecting to have to wait so long for Jesus Christ to come back. And because they weren't necessarily expecting that, that was challenging for them. How, how do we live our faith when, when life isn't going the way we thought it was going to go? What do we do in those times? And Second Peter talks about what we, we do in the midst of this. Second Peter reminds us that, that even when things aren't working the way we think they're supposed to work, God has not abandoned us. God is with us. So he's saying we're, we're, we're for God a thousand years is like a day. Or a day is like a thousand years. God has not abandoned us in the midst of this. God's time does, does not work in the same way that our time does. And, and we can look back into Scripture and see how God is faithful, even in circumstances that don't fit our understanding. But one of the, one of the challenges, though, is that, that, that sometimes in the church, which I think maybe is what was happening here to the church that received this letter, we can, we can kind of get stuck in, in circular logic. Do you, do you know what circular logic is? Circular logic is this, this logic that, that, that really kind of just defines itself. You know the old thing that you can't use a word to define itself, right? You can't use the same thing. That's kind of the way circular logic works. A lot of you know that, that, that I'm a runner. So here's an example of circular logic. A lot of you know that, that I'm, a, I'm a runner. And so circular logic would be if, if I said, I am athletic because I'm a runner. And then you were to say to me, well, but, but Mark, how did you start running or, or why did you start running? Well, I started running because I'm athletic. I am athletic because I am a runner, but I started running because I am athletic. Do you see that? It kind of makes a circle, right? That's circular logic. And the church in some ways was struggling with that. Like, if Christ really cared about you, church, he would have come back sooner so you didn't have to go through all of this. See, these kinds of things can affect us here. And and circular logic is still a challenge that we have today. And we're not going to go down this road, but, but over the last eight months, there's been a whole lot of circular logic going on. You know, in Second Peter, we're reminded that God has not abandoned us. God is with us. And God is working to bring about God's saving plan for all of God's people. God's desire is that no one would be lost. You know, when we, when we stop and, and think about it in, in that sense, there's this reminder that God's desire is that, that everybody would know and experience the love and grace of God. And when we think about everybody experiencing that, you know, your life and mine are just like a, like a speck of dust in God's cosmic great salvation plan. Because God cares about you and me, but God also cares about every single one of the 7.6 billion people who live in the world today. And not only that, God cares about every single person who's ever lived and all those who will live. 
And so when, when Peter's talking about this fact that, that, that God's timing and scale is so different than ours, he's telling us that your lives matter and that God has not abandoned you, but God is working to try to redeem all of creation. God desires that everybody would know and experience his love and grace. Are you with me here? But when we think about that for ourselves, we're reminded, as Second Peter reminds us, that we have to be patient in trusting the way that God works. Patience is a hard thing sometimes, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a really tricky thing. And it's really hard even sometimes to think about how, how to be patient, patient when it comes to, to God working in our midst. You know, when I was, when I was working on my, my doctorate, for one of my classes, we went to this Benedictine monastery. And it was fascinating to, to learn about, about the, the Benedictines. It's actually the, the oldest order in the Catholic Church. The, the Benedictines have been around for 1,500 years. That's a long time. You know, we were talking with, with this, this group as we spent the weekend there. And this, this monastery, not all that long ago, back in the, the 60s or 70s, there was about 350 sisters who lived at, at this monastery. But by the time we were there, there was just a little bit over 100. You know, that's a huge difference, right? And I remember sitting there as, as, as one of them was talking with us, and, and here I was, with 10 years of formal theological education. And I found myself asking, you know, aren't you worried about this? Like, aren't you kind of scared? Because like, not all that long ago, you guys were like three times the size you are now. This isn't a very good trajectory for you. Aren't you concerned? And you know how the sister responded? She said, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of hard, right? And like, we, we wish that, Maybe we had some more people, but we've been around for 1,500 years. And we've gone through some pretty difficult situations, but God has always been faithful. And so we trust that God is going to see us through this current time too, even if it takes a couple hundred years. We're not really concerned because we believe that God could do that. And all of a sudden, all of my theological training I felt about this small right? It's so easy to trust God for those things that we can understand. How do we trust God when God's timing is a lot bigger than ours? When God's picture is a lot bigger than ours? In 2 Peter, we're reminded that we have a God who loves us, and a God who's faithful, and a God who can work in ways that we can't see. And we're invited to live into this, you know, one of the ways that, that we're invited to live into this is that, that Peter tells us that, that in the meantime, we are called to live out these faithful lives. You know, I like the way that, that Eugene Peterson puts it, that this Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long time lived out. Second Peter reminds us that, that in, the, in the midst of this, we are called to live the kinds of lives that demonstrate that kind of trust in God to live the kinds of lives that, that show that we are God's people. What do these kinds of lives look like? You know, one of my favorite places to catch a, a snapshot of this way in which we are called to live is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. It paints this, this great picture for us, and I just want to share just a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount with us today. Go ahead. 
Hi, I'm Gracie, and I'm going to be sharing Matthew 5, 1 through 16. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There was no teleprompter there, by the way. She memorized all those and shared those with us. And so uh, tell her what a great job she did today. She's at, Gracie's actually helping in kids' worship today. She was very relieved that she wasn't going to be in here this morning. But did you hear those words that she shared with us in the Sermon on the Mount? You know, the Beatitudes are a great reminder that in the economy of God's kingdom, things aren't always as they appear. And I found hope in that over these last eight months. You know, the ways in which God works, God, what God is doing isn't always what we see. In the midst of, of time when things aren't always the way we want them to be, God's still there and God's still working. You know, the other part that, that Gracie shared with us is that, that our lives are to be lived as examples for the world. There's so much of the world that the only way they're going to know or experience God's love is through us, through you and me, right? You know, I shared this earlier, but we need you. If we want to reach our community, if we want people who feel lonely to feel loved, we all have to do our part in that, right? Are you with me? Like we, we need one another to live in to this life that we've been called to live. And we can do this with confidence because we know that God is at work. You know, we're, we're going to get a chance to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but as I found myself thinking through all these things, I'm, I find myself drawn towards Advent. The word Advent means coming, and in, in Advent we, we think of two comings. We think of the fact that God has already come into this world. Emmanuel, God is with us. And in the midst of challenges, we can have confidence in the fact that God is with us. But Advent also reminds us that we have a God who's going to come again. And so as we find ourselves in the midst of the world that's not yet as it should be, we can cry out and say, come Lord Jesus, we need you. And we can long for, for Christ to come into this world and, and to bring his, his salvation work to completion. And so we long for that to happen. But we find ourselves living in between these two comings. 
thankful that God is with us and longing for Christ to come again. And in the midst of this, we live as the body of Christ for the world to see. And may we be faithful to that calling, knowing that God is with us, that God has not abandoned us, that for all the challenges that we face, God is with us and God will be with us. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today that you are a loving and patient God. And Lord, we thank you that that you are with us even now. In the midst of of anything that life brings, that that you are still here with us. And Lord, we just pray that that you would help us to have eyes to see, (laughs) to see the ways that you are with us and the ways that you are working. And God, we pray that you would help us to be a people that would live holy lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us as a congregation, both individually but also collectively, to to live in such a way that others around us would see the love and grace and peace and hope and joy that comes from you. And so, God, we, we just offer ourselves to you today. We offer this church to you. Lord, we we just want to live for you with all of who we are. And by your grace and power, may we do that so that you might be made known in all the earth. So God, today we we go with you, knowing that you always go ahead of us. And Lord, I I pray for for this church, Lord, that, that you would just help us to continue to be faithful to what you've called us to do. And we're so thankful that you are a patient and loving God. Amen. As you go today, would you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior? And would you go with confidence that that God is with you now and always? Amen? Amen. Go in his grace and peace.